that was something that we've never really cared about. Like we never, we purposely haven't done very much TV stuff because we just we really just want to play music and let the music do the talking really and all that media crap that goes on is nothing to us. We know some people read it and believe it and take it all seriously, but to us it's just a big bullshit circus. Hello and welcome to Too Much of Not Enough, a Silverchair podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Hedger, and in this episode, I'll be revisiting a song from an early Silverchair album. Today, it's Abuse Me from 1997's Freak Show. So hold up, what is this episode? I'm glad you asked. This year, one of the things I would like to do is revisit some of the older releases. The format of this podcast, I don't think quite solidified until the Neon Ballroom episode. And it kind of bugs me that those first few episodes didn't get as much of a deep dive and analysis as I would do if I was starting the podcast now. That's partly because, as you might know, I first started recording the demos for this podcast back in 2017, and even though that was a long time ago, when I was writing those episodes, I think I was subconsciously rushing through the musical analysis parts, because I was so keen to get to the truly meaty albums, Neon Ballroom and Diorama in particular. But looking back, I can see that there were things along the way that I should have noticed or delved deeper into. So I've decided to go back and delve a bit deeper into some of the older songs and give them the treatment I would have given them had they appeared on Neon Ballroom, for example. I'll be putting out episodes like this every so often, obviously shorter in length because they only cover one song, but I hope you still enjoy them. So today we'll be covering Abuse Me, a song I don't think I did justice when I did the Freak Show episode. But before we get to that, just some quick housekeeping. In case you missed it, I am now on Patreon. So for a small monthly fee, you'll be able to support the show and get some behind-the-scenes exclusive content as well. Head over to patreon.com slash silverchairpodcast. The link is in the episode description as well to check it out. And don't worry if you can't or don't want to join. The main feed isn't going anywhere. But one thing my patrons get is their name read out in an episode. So at time of recording, I want to give a sincere thanks to Jeff Callagher, Sean Hagen, Nicole and John, Britton Lindsay, Ben Pearson, Damian Rose, Dan Seaman, Matt Munro, Lainey Michael, Ryan Sims, and Dan Temesfeld. Thank you all very much. You can join the Patreon at the link in my episode description. In addition to Patreon, I still have my PayPal link if you want to make a one-off donation as well. It's very kind of you. 
As always, thank you to everyone who's been listening and supporting the show. If you haven't yet, ranking and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts really does help get the word out there, as does just telling people about it. I'm on Instagram at Silverchair Podcast and Facebook.com slash Silverchair Podcast. And my email is silverchairpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking for a podcast host, check out the Buzzsprout affiliate link in the episode description. Okay, let's go back to 1997 and talk Abuse Me. Need to wear skirt questions. Calling out my name. Nothing seems to Wish I had a clue. Abuse Me was the second single released from Silverchair's second album, Freak Show. It entered the ARIA chart April 6, 1997. It peaked at number nine, which might not sound great considering the previous single, Freak, had gone to number one. But you have to take into account that by the time Abuse Me was released, Freak Show had already been out for two months, and it was a number one album as well. Most of the songs on the album are about being perceived as being different just because you tour around like the country and stuff. People just think you're different. like They just um, throw negative comments at you all the time. They don't really know what you like. And... That's what abuse me is kind of like. Because the lyric says, um, it's saying, forget about him, throw him away. <laughs> it's kind of like a joke in ways. That's why it's so mellow, but it's such like kind of aggressive lyric. I and mean, it's a really like, mellow song. That's the idea behind that song anyway. <laughs> so let's talk music. Abuse Me is played in drop D tuning, which, as you probably know by now, is when the lowest string on the guitar is tuned down from an E to a D, creating both a deeper, heavier sound and also making power chords a single finger technique. It also helps in creating a droning sound, what's called a pedal tone effect, where the low D and the D string itself ring out in octaves. And in Abuse Me, this idea is used to great effect. The way Abuse Me is played on guitar, for the most part, is essentially one chord shape that Daniel moves up and down the fretboard. The main chord shape that Daniel uses is a type of major chord. It has the first, the fifth, and the third, but the voicings he uses also add in some open strings, the D, the B, and the high E string. So depending on which position he's in, the open strings have a different relationship to the rest of the chord. So in the first position, the open strings are a sharp nine, a root, and an 11th. But in the next position, the open strings are a 13th, a sharp 11, and a major seventh. So that first chord is actually a B sharp nine add 11, but he uses that shape to move up and down the fretboard. The second chord then becomes an F major 13 sharp 11, while keeping those open strings still ringing throughout. This also helps to create that pedal tone effect where the open strings drone or ring out with each chord change. Now, before we delve any further, I just want to shout out Chris Joannou's bass in the intro to the song. Chris's bass is a really great complement to Daniel's arpeggiating guitar part. (laughs) 
Chris has a little pickup lick intro, and by the time he lands on the F note, he's actually completing the major chord of what Daniel's playing by adding in the octave when Daniel lands on his F chord shape. Because Daniel's playing that F major thing with the open D string, Daniel's chord doesn't actually include that octave, so Chris is adding it back in. Then Chris does the little lick again, but this time lands on the third of what Daniel's playing, which is a C sharp, which also happens to be the first note of the chorus vocal melody, which we'll get to. For the rest of the song, Chris is mainly sitting on the root note of what Daniel's playing, but this intro is really nice and smart, and it creates a nice harmony with Daniel's guitar part. I think you can hear it especially when they played this song live, in fact, it's a big shame they stopped playing this song live after the Neon Ballroom tour because it's one of the few songs that Chris could really sink his teeth into from a playing standpoint. Now forget what the guitar chords are doing for a moment in terms of key or whatever, the verse vocal melody is actually just in C major, the simplest scale there is, and essentially descends down the C major scale. When we get to the chorus though, Daniel's vocal melody introduces the C sharp, come on making the chorus melody function in like D melodic minor. And the chorus vocal melody, by contrast, takes more leaps, literally in terms of the intervals. So the verse goes down. Need to and then the chorus has these leaps. Come on, abuse me more like the first part of the chorus vocal melody basically outlines like an A add four chord. Daniel sings a descending major third, then a fourth, then a half step, and then another third to land back on the root of A, before a few descending steps. And bringing in that fourth, which is a D, briefly doubles up that ringing open D string. Neat. This is all just to say that the verse melody mostly descends in small steps while the chorus opens up and takes some leaps, relatively speaking. It's just a nice contrast. And side note, this is inadvertently something Daniel does much later on Young Modern, where he's shifting from a major chord to a suspended chord, as I banged on about in those episodes. Except this time, it's in the melody only, not in the chords. Because he's singing the fourth against the major chord. If you were to play it like it would be on Young Modern, it would be something like... The chorus to Abuse Me is the same chords as we heard in the intro, but instead of them being arpeggiated, that is, played one note at a time, Daniel now strums them. There is actually also a second 
guitar part playing an arpeggiated A power chord and then the F power chord. So essentially the same as the main chord progression, but without the open strings. To be honest, I'd never really noticed this until I listened out for it. I think it's more prominent in the right channel. It goes a little bit like this. I'll just also shout out Daniel's ad-lib or note changes to the vocal melody in the final chorus before the guitar solo. Instead of singing that major third, he instead stays on the same note, C-sharp, longer, and then descends it to a B. And then instead of going down at keep talking, he goes up. Really strong note choices there. And it helps bring new colour to a chorus we've already heard twice before. And it's a great lead-in to that guitar solo. Here are the two different versions of the chorus side by side. And... In fact, Daniel's vocal performance in this song overall really helps to give the song personality and helps to cover up that the lyrics aren't all that strong in my opinion, which we'll get to later. The production on Daniel's voice throughout this song is very clear and direct. It's not dry, but it's not overdone with reverb. Nick Launay was really able to get the best out of Daniel's voice while still making it sound like himself. It's a very natural sounding vocal, not overdone with harmonies, which is notable considering how layered Daniel's vocal parts would become. There's a harmony that comes in at the second chorus, but that's about it in terms of backing vocals. The verses of Abuse Me use a really nice technique of singing when there's no playing and playing where there's no singing. So Daniel's voice is given space and for sections of the song, it's just Daniel and Ben that you hear. Calling out my name, nothing seems to I remember the same year this came out, 1997, I had a guitar magazine with the tablature for Veruca Salt's song Volcano Girls, which uses the same technique. I'm sure there's a name for it, but I just can't think of it. In fact, this technique sort of covers up that the melody in Abuse Me is based around chord tones, as in notes in the chords underneath, rather than a harmony of those notes. In addition, singing in between the spaces means the ringing open strings work to make the melody seem not redundant, and in fact really cool. The chorus chord progression also does a reasonably sophisticated thing of foreshadowing the heavy bridge before we fully get there by going to that heavy E chord before heading back into the verse. Let's talk about Ben's drums in this song. Ben is still in his John Bonham inspired era, so everything he does is very hard hitting, literally but his work on Abuse Me really helps drive the song. With all the stop starts and held ringing chords, it's Ben's drum part that helps keep the song propulsive, using that word again. Everything is perfectly placed to keep the song on track, keeping it moving. 
The bridge, the throw the sailors overboard part, finally brings the heavy drop D riffing that the song has been threatening to let loose for a couple of minutes. But I mean that quite literally. Because the whole song is played in drop D, that whole ringing open D string musically or even thematically links to the heavy open drop D section that we get in the bridge. So when they finally get to that big build up into the bridge, you've been hearing that open D tonality throughout the whole song. And this is just its logical, heavier expression. I kind of like how lo-fi it is when the distortion hits at that point. It's quite a sophisticated production otherwise, but when that drop D build-up happens, you can, not quite, but almost hear Daniel stomp the distortion pedal. But that's just the first part of the bridge riff, the heavy part. The second part of the bridge riff utilizes octave chords, which is a power chord without the fifth, meaning you're just playing octaves. That is, two notes that are the same, but on different pitches. So... It's quite a punk rock technique, but used in quite an unpunk way for this song. Those octave chords are used in a call and response way as well. So you have the heavy throw the sailors overboard riff, and then this higher octave riff moving up and down the fretboard, responding to the line. It's a conversation between the lyrics and the music. One last thing about that heavy bridge riff. Daniel uses the type of chord he does in Tomorrow, the power chord with the low fourth. But because this song is in drop D, using that same exact shape actually creates a low second, turning that chord into an F sus two rather than a G sus four. that heavy section an extra bit of colour rather than just sounding like a block of octaves. It throws in this low suspended note. It's really cool. The final ingredient to this song is the really cool phasing backwards guitar solo. It reminds me of the George Harrison solo in I'm Only Sleeping by the Beatles. The sound is actually a great fit for the song because of the phasing effect that we've heard in the intro and the guitar solo recalls that sound as well. I'd love to ask Nick Lonay how they did this. Nick, if you're listening, come back on the show. It has a very otherworldly sound. Watching live footage, it seems Daniel wasn't able to replicate the solo in a live setting and just played the underlying chords instead. 
on the Neon Ballroom tour, they had Sam Holloway do a keyboard solo there instead of a guitar solo. It's a pity that that was the last tour they played the song on. I actually really like what the keyboard part adds to it. Aside from the George Harrison-y guitar solo, Daniel did say that Abuse Me was a song inspired by the Beatles, and maybe he meant that in a non-specific way, just in the sense of trying new things. Even using a guitar tone that wasn't just distortion does count as trying something new in this early phase of their career. That phasing guitar in the intro and the clean, shimmering guitar tone throughout the song was a pretty new thing for Silverchair. I remember Nick Launay told me that Daniel in particular was very excited by all the new music that Nick had been exposing him to, namely Pink Floyd and Kate Bush. It's easy to see how he might musically interpret these new influences into a song like Abuse Me. Abuse Me is really influenced by the Beatles and real, just 60s kind of experimental, like Sgt. Pepper's album, stuff like that. Lyrically, it's just like kind of about just getting negative comments and just saying, I don't really give a fuck what you think. You can see in Abuse Me that Daniel's musical songwriting ability at this stage was progressing faster than his lyric writing. I think that the song melodically and arrangement-wise is quite advanced. Though it's not groundbreaking, it's a very strong structure for a power ballad or rock song. And I think that a lyric that maybe tied everything together a bit more might have made it an instant classic. As it is, it feels a bit like disjointed ideas, or not disjointed necessarily, as it all does relate to a central theme, which I'll go into more detail about soon, but I think on a line-by-line basis, the lyrics aren't as compelling as Daniel's lyrics would later become. It's a little underwritten. For example, the first verse. Need to ask a question Calling out my name Nothing seems to bother Need to ask a question, calling out my name Nothing seems to bother, wish I had a clue. Lyrically, this is kind of a weak verse. Usually you want the first words you sing, the first words an audience hears, to be something that grabs them. You know, something like, you're the analyst, the fungus in my milk. The first verse of Abuse Me is vaguely self-loathing, but it's not specific enough to be really gut-wrenching. The second verse, I think, is much better. I don't think you Well, I don't think you like me. Well, I hate you as well. No one seems to like you. Wish I couldn't tell. The interesting thing about this second verse is that it introduces a rhyme scheme that doesn't appear anywhere else in the song. I think this was probably accidental or maybe inexperience on Daniel's part. But it's a fascinating thing to have a first verse with no rhymes than a second verse that has a classic A, B, C, B rhyme scheme, where the second and fourth lines rhyme, well and tell. It also has a nice little opposites thing, like me, like you. It also uses the word well three times in two different senses, which might be accidental, but it's cool. 
The funny thing to me is that the wish I couldn't tell line seems like it's only there in order to rhyme with well I hate you as well because the hate you as well line is a much stronger line as a concept. It almost should be the line to take us into the chorus. talk about the chorus. Lyrically, the chorus is, come on, abuse me more, I like it. Come on, keep talking, cause it's true. I actually really like the simplicity of this chorus. I do think, as I mentioned earlier, the vocal melody is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. The melody is understated, but very strong. But lyrically, just the colloquial nature of saying, come on, at the start of each line really works for me. It expresses a pain without explicating it. And I also just like how it pairs with the cause instead of because. Come on, cause. I know I ragged on the first verse for not being explicit enough, but I think in a chorus, you should be stating the theme more than bringing in new imagery. Anyway, the chorus lyrics also make immediate sense, especially if you're in the target audience for this song. Disaffected, possibly bullied teens. Yep, I love all the shit you give me. Yep, the shit you talk about me is true. In a way, it's just as relevant an idea in the age of social media as it was when Daniel wrote it, when he was possibly thinking about tabloids in the media, if not just school bullies. The music video for Abuse Me suggests this, featuring a man reading a newspaper with the headline, Teen Pop Shock, blah, 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 with a picture of the band. This man is also watching multiple TV sets with a stack of cash around him while the band play behind him on a soundstage. And on those TVs is what looks like old daredevil footage. Elsewhere in the video, the band are faced with some of the quote unquote freaks, including a heavily tattooed man tattooing himself. I believe this is the same guy on the cover of the freak single. And then a guy in one of those spinning Gravitron things. I'm not sure if he actually counts as a freak really, more of a daredevil. This video seems to combine the circus idea with being a daredevil. But this video is interesting because it does suggest that it's combining the freak show theme with the theme of the song, which is kind of cool. Likewise, the cover art for the single of Abuse Me, like all the freak show singles, went with the freak show theme and featured a man hammering a nail into his face in that carnival art style. I really like how all the singles of this era had cover art that related to the album's cover art and theme. The CD singles for all of the album eras really did go with a theme, just sometimes not artistically successful, shall we say. And Freak Show was one of the strongest in terms of cover art, as I talked about in the FAQ episode. Anyway... One of the biggest changes songwriting-wise between Freak Show and Neon Ballroom, as I've probably mentioned, is the lyrics. As we know, after the Freak Show tour, Daniel had become reclusive and was mostly at home watching movies and writing poetry, which he would later take to form the lyrics on Neon Ballroom. This, I believe, is a turning point in Daniel's songwriting, both because A, he now was writing lyrics first and let the mood of the words describe how the music would sound, 
and B, he was taking only the best bits of his poetry and smashing them together to make the lyrics, rather than sitting down and writing the lyrics of a song from start to finish, with one reasonably solid idea in mind. This is where we start to see more of the play on words and weird phrases in Daniel's writing crop up, though we did see some of it in freak shows such as in Learn to Hate's Come and Join the Mass Debate, for example, or the Your Life's an Open Cold Sore line in Pop Song for Us Rejects. But the new lyrical approach is just one of the many reasons that Neil Borum is quite a step up from Freak Show. Anyway, back in the Freak Show era, Daniel and Ben, remember, were still jamming on songs to write them, forming riffs, and then later Daniel would sit down and write lyrics based on how the song sounded. Part of this is assumption, of course, but let's go with it. So as I mentioned, for the lyrics on Freak Show, Daniel was writing lyrics from start to finish in one go, as compared to later, where he would take lines he liked from his poetry and put them together. All that said, Abuse Me still has some parts that don't seem to connect to the rest, which is still something that can happen when you write something from start to finish. You lose the thread of the theme. The main thing that's jarring, and maybe that's by design, is that the bridge lyric doesn't seem to connect to the verse or chorus lyrics directly. Daniel later said that the line, throw the sailors overboard, is meant to mean, don't let the negative comments get you down, throw them away. But the way that the lyric comes across in the song, it's during that heavy, angry part of the song, and Daniel's vocal delivery doesn't sound like he's trying to be uplifting or comforting. It sounds like the line should mean, literally throw the people who are abusing you into the ocean. I don't think it's a bad line, necessarily. In fact, I think it's better if you don't believe what he said the line was about. But as we know, going forward, he wouldn't really explain his lyrics as they became more opaque and strange. And maybe this is one reason why. In addition, the line doesn't really relate as a metaphor to the idea of abuse or any of the other lines in the song, really. That could be because the verses we do get don't contain any imagery at all. In fact, there's not even much in the way of nouns in those lines. And I always think, if I want to get specific about writing, what nouns I could use, because that will make something feel concrete. In Abuse Me, the second verse has no nouns at all, and the first verse only has bland ones. Question, name, clue. Not much in the way of metaphor there. So of course the sailor's line stands out. You would have heard a clip of Daniel earlier in this episode saying that the idea behind this song is that it's very mellow musically, but the lyrics are so aggressive. I don't disagree with that, but I think it's probably not as mellow as it seemed at the time. As I said, it's a power ballad with a heavy middle section, and the lyrics aren't as aggressive as they could be. But as we know, Daniel would get better and better at using his lyrics and his music to convey a feeling like aggression, even if we can't decode what line by line those lyrics actually meant. Need to wear skirt Calling out my name Nothing seems to Wish I had We know the rest of the story from here. As I mentioned, Abuse Me was the second single after Freak, released from Freak Show. In Australia, anyway. In North America, Silverchair's US label Epic didn't want to release Freak as the lead single, despite it being good branding for the album. I've seen a few reasons thrown around for why that was, the main one being that it was too heavy for the strict US radio formats. Australian radio, for all its faults, has never really boxed things in to the extent that the US did. This isn't a bad point either that Freak was too heavy. 
Compared to what much of America had heard from Silverchair, largely Tomorrow, Freak is at least a couple of degrees heavier than Tomorrow. Nick Launay's production is also harder hitting than Kevin Shirley's approach to the Frog Stomp tracks. In fact, I think on Freak Show, and it's apparent on Abuse Me, the band hit their platonic ideal sound in terms of production. Obviously, I think Neon Ballroom was a step up in terms of ambition and songwriting, but Nick Launay was already giving them amazing sounding production, and of course, Andy Wallace's punchy mix. The other thing that I've heard is that Epic, the US label, didn't like Freak because of the line, no more maybes, your baby's got rabies, which, fair enough. That was a glimpse into the weird, opaque lyrics that Daniel would increasingly write going forward. For my money, those lyrics make Freak a much more memorable song as a first single for an album called Freak Show than the power ballad with the slightly bland lyrics by comparison. So Abuse Me, the power ballad, became the lead single from Freak Show in the States, peaking at number four on the modern rock and billboard mainstream rock charts. This actually makes it their second biggest hit in the US after Tomorrow. For that reason, it's possibly a better known song over there than it is in Australia, where their other singles and hits have eclipsed the second single from the second album. But I think it's still a pretty special track and a glimpse of what was to come. So that's the episode, my revisit to an earlier track in Silverchair's career. Let me know what you think of this format, if you like it, or if you would prefer a longer album-based episode instead. I'm probably still going to keep doing them though. As always, stay in touch, rate, review, subscribe, check out the Patreon, and I'll see you very soon. This podcast is written, produced, and performed by me, Daniel Hedger. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends or your enemies if they like Silverchair. Rate, review, subscribe, follow me on social media, email me, you know all that. All music is by Silverchair, owned by Sony now. I believe all music is being used with a fair use exemption for criticism as per copyright.com.au slash about copyright slash exceptions. Mm-hmm.